This is your Monday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Patrick Royce on with me in just a second here. Had a lot to talk about with Patrick, talking about Tom Kelly and the genius that was the TK era and two World Series championships. Also got into the ire of Mike Zimmer and how that uh, this, this preseason, this training camp has seemed to take a turn for Mike Zimmer from uh, his mood standpoint. And I guess a 33-6 preseason loss will do that to a guy. Patrick Royce back on Monday's Daily Delivery. Patrick, how you doing this morning? I am just fine, sir. Good to I'm hear it. Fine. I saw another good, uh, another good weekend for the Twins. I don't necessarily want to talk so much about the on-field stuff, but that we took two out of three from Tampa Bay. That's three series wins against three pretty good teams uh, <laughs> lately. Too little, too late. Where was this version of? column made by the way at the beginning of the year they could have used that you know actually i thought that the first couple of times they used him in the same situation that it was the same column a he just got away with it but since then he's been throwing the ball pretty good he's got a little movement again and he's throwing strikes and he's not getting himself and uh you know he's not putting two guys on base and stuff like that i i guess who knows this is i'm sure they'll uh, be uh you know, they're saying, say, see, we weren't, it wasn't that bad a decision. It just, he just had a little rusty period. Yeah. Four months. So that was <laughs> the problem. Four months why the season went in the tank. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that, I mean, he was so bad. He couldn't get traded. Right. Nobody yes. wanted but he had any interest in him. Otherwise they would have traded him. Of course he was making, he's making seven or something. At right? least seven. yeah, seven or eight, yeah, seven like or that. eight. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it is kind of funny now. He's wandering in there and finishing off games, and uh, uh, the you know the, the most unreliable guy in the bullpen lately has been Duffy, who's yeah. their, you know who's one of their best. So uh, yeah, this is all without Taylor Rogers too. They were, you know, they telling him shutting him down, and uh, the, the bullpen is. Uh, uh, I I was. Uh, little surprised we didn't see now that Manaya over the weekend is he, he had got something wrong with him because I, I kind of like that guy. He I think they put him good. on. I thought they put him on the injured list. I could be, I could be wrong about no, that. They put be, him on the, man, but don't know what the hell's wrong with him, but he, I thought I like him. Me too. He throws, he throws hard. You got to change up and yeah, I don't know. Polanco's, uh, he had a couple of bad days, but then he, he had, he's, gets the ball and knocks it around yesterday. But uh, Arise has been uh, terrific when he's agreed yeah. to play. And uh, yeah, I don't know. They're just, they're just you know, they're, sometimes you just don't want to uh, get uh, too excited about stuff that happens in August no. and September when you're out of it. I remember, the, but the one I always remember is uh, way back when, when Gene Mock walked away. Johnny Gorl, 1980, that was a terrible team. I mean, they were god-awful. And they won. Johnny Gorl became the manager, and Johnny was one of the least dynamic guys of all time and basically quit early in 1981 because he couldn't handle it. But they won 12 in a row. Is that right? In uh, September, they won 12 in a row. And you're saying, okay. This is, that was a good lesson for old Uncle Pat because I said, okay. <laughs> Don't pay any attention to September when your team stinks. Okay. <laughs> so there you and go. the idea that you're developing somebody, but yeah, it's a little better, but uh, we were talking before we started here 
they had to really be looking at themselves and shaking their heads when only 21,000 people showed up for the big reunion and on uh, Saturday night. I, I went down to see it because, uh, and they had a good turnout. Uh, you know, Shane Mack never comes back for those for some reason. I don't know why and a couple others, but, uh, you know, it was, it was a big turnout and it was pretty embarrassing to me that uh, these guys are walking in from the bullpen. They made even Bob Gebhardt, who's had three back surgeries yeah. and then uh, some of the other fell Tony old limping in on his bad knees and stuff. Although he's got new knees now, but, uh, and uh, man, they're waving to the crowd and there's nobody there. There was about probably about 16,000 people in the ballpark by the time they, when they walked them out, I, uh, you know, it's generational, it's 30 years and it's, but, uh, I don't know. I, I have the impression that, uh, that crowd that would have been really devoted to this team is they're kind of the afraid to go downtown people. Although let me say this, I, uh, I left about eight 30 and, uh, made a stop at a local restaurant at yeah. eight 45 mm-hmm. and it was a lot of Viking fans still downtown. There was a, there was a lot of people wandering around downtown and going to restaurants and that lions, the lions place was jam packed full. Murray's was full. Uh, those, you know, there were, there were people downtown. It was, uh, it was fun to see, (laughs) you know, it was good to see. And, and still a little later, there were still people walking. And, uh, so that was, that was the Viking fans who showed up decided to go and have a few drinks afterwards after the fine show that the Vikings put on for them. But anyway, that was, <laughs> I, I wanted to mention that, that there were people downtown. So that was, that was good to see anyway. Well, that's interesting. And that was a busy sports day. Cause I think those two teams played and Minnesota United had a home game same day. Um, I want to get back to the Vikings in a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on Mike Zimmer and just kind of where they are. I talked about that a little bit at the outset of the show as well, but let's talk about Tom Kelly for a few minutes, just because you had a really nice column on TK over the weekend, um, setting up, you know, the, the big reunion weekend, the 30 years of since 90, the 91 world series. Um, last time, by the way, that a, the major men's pro team in this state played for a championship, let alone won one with 91. Um, but just, you know, I wasn't here for a lot of the TK era. You know, I moved to Minneapolis in 94 when I went to school, Um, you know, saw some of the tail end of it, the the worst of it, I guess. Yes. How, you know, understanding Tom Kelly seems to be a a difficult errand, but do we fully appreciate what he accomplished here? And, and how do we kind of make sense of a whole tenure that, included two world championships and then a whole bunch of terrible years and then a retirement at age 51, which nobody really does. And he just never went back to anything managerial anyway. No, it was, uh, it was, uh, you know, I called him what Tuesday, I think, and said, I wanted to do this thing. And he said, I said, he said, well, next two days are pretty busy. I said, he said, I'd be okay Wednesday morning. And so I, Got, uh, he said earlier the better so i got there at 8 30 and uh you know i have a really good relationship with him through the years there was you know there were some low points as there has to be in that in that long a period but uh uh it's uh he lives in this little maple the wood neighborhood that he's this you know the same neighbors all these years these guys are his buddies he goes gets it they 
they, whoever gets up first in the morning, snow blows the other guy's driveway in that hole. Uh, you know, it's just a little blue collar neighborhood. Uh, I mean, the, the police chief of Maplewood for years lives next to him and some, you know, that it's not, sure. you know, it's, and, uh, and it is, it's, he gave me a sort of an explanation as to, you know, I asked him that about, you know, did you ever say, why, why don't I come back? You know, I should, should come back. He, he had an opportunity. I know the Red Sox tried to hire him. There was even rumors of the Dodgers. He wouldn't have done well in the LA market. Too many people coming after him. You know, he was, he liked to, you know, have a small group of media that he could know who was who, you know, and, sure. and that stuff. But, uh, you know, he told me something about, you know, he missed a couple of plays that year that happened out on the field, just kind of one individual little play and here and there. And he started questioning himself as to whether he was as sharp as he, as he used to be. And, uh, you know, 2001, and it was kind of a, He's a, you know, he's a different kind of cat. He's from New Jersey. He's got his, his best buddies or some guy who used to own a dog track later, run a dog track, Leo McCarthy, and Leo's buddy, Russell and Mecklehammy. These are his guys. And it's a, it's a different, you know, when he had a, when he, it, it, I'm rambling here, but when he had it, when they had a day for him to mark his 1000th victory, I believe yeah. it was his thousandth. Uh, or one of his victories, uh, the guy who threw out the had the guy that threw out the ceremonial first pitch was the handicapper at the dog track in uh, Hudson, <laughs> <laughs> you know, who went on, it was, who was, who was a good, I mean, it's, he's, uh, he's not hobnobbing with, uh, never, never not high society, with high society, although Carl, you know, Polad, right. you know, loved him and he said, Polad tried to keep, him. but. I really don't, yeah, I have a hard, I'm like everybody else. I have a hard time explaining him fully, but what, I, what struck me again after that long conversation is, has is what gets stuck in his head. The stuff he remembers is not the stuff, you know, as I, I pointed out in that column, it's the stuff he remembered, the, the big memory he had of the young puck when he had him in uh, Florida Instructional League and everything was that the guys who were taunting him and him getting up and angrily saying no more. And to me, to him, he saw that as a, as a streak that would lead this talented guy to greatness because he was not going to accept the uh, right being pushed around or you know and he, he relates that to how he's going to play baseball too and uh and uh you know a big admirer of players but i think one thing about him that we have to realize is these guys that he won the world series with uh seven of them at least were his these were his guys you know he had them in the instructional league he had them in orlando and the southern league he he knew all these guys when they were the nucleus of those teams when they were young guys and he he taught them help teach them to what play the game right you know make the plays in the field uh, don't you know don't do stupid things on the bases and and uh you know his, his big thing is pitching pitching and if you pitch it if you pitch it and catch it you're gonna win and then he came then came the next generation that he really didn't 
didn't deal with when they were young, you know, when they were really right. young. He was he wasn't like managing them in single right. age. He got him. He got him when they came to the he big. Got him when they got to the big leagues, and uh, I mean, he'd, he'd look at him and he'd go to the instructional league and stuff. But they they didn't, you know, the the Todd Walker generation, the Scott Stoviak generation, the, you know, some of those guys he liked, but they did not. They did not. Uh, you know, play the game with the. I don't want. I don't want to use the word commitment, but I don't know what else. But but the that they were more casual about the uh, the fundamentals of making plays, being in the right place, uh, moving runners. Uh, you know all the things that they're now lost to the Bomba generation. But uh, he just you know a lot of those guys he did not. He did not get along with, and uh, they, I mean, they did, they, they, those guys would have been better off with Rocco telling them how good they were or something like that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So it's, uh, I, I don't know. He's, uh, I, but it is interesting. I mean, uh, you know, he was, you know, lost, losing his son is obviously yeah. a real impact on him. And, uh, but uh, he got, you know, one thing he got really into the last 15 years, probably is golf. He plays a okay. lot of golf with his, but with his buddies, you know, the guys from the neighborhood, he's not, you know, he goes out there, he sneaks out to Somerset once in a while, but uh, I'm sure that he, because uh, Dave Duchesne's out there and he's a buddy of those guys. And, uh, and, but even when he plays out there, I'm sure that he's, I'm sure that the golf garb is not elite or anything like that. He, <laughs> right. he plays with the, he plays with the, these blue collar guys and, and he and his wife are, you know, she's a, a golfer too. And they play together some, but, uh, but he told me that when he, you know, when he went to Carl and to tell him he was going to quit, he said that, that walk down the steps after I did that, that was the longest walk of my life. Cause I certainly had my doubts, but never came back 20 years. He's, uh, I've, I mean, I've always said that, uh, he's, he's got a lot of Bud Grant in him, you know, yeah. that, but, but different personalities and Bud's very much motivated by, what's in it for bud <laughs> you sure. know, i love we're bud. not gonna have a tom bud. kelly garage sale is what you're telling yeah, me yeah yeah we're not gonna have that we're not gonna have that because he wouldn't want that many people hanging around right you know so uh uh but as far as looking at a a, a, a moment with a team or something uh, a very logical conclusion to, you know, he and Bud are the same. And the fact that they're looking to, okay, what, if I do this, what's they're, they're yeah. always not a lot of impulsive stuff, not sure. a lot of impulsive stuff. It's what makes sense for my team kind of guy. He's got a lot of that in him. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, there's no doubt he's having a lot of trouble with the four to third inning starts and uh, stuff like that. Cause he was telling me his neighbor, Pete came to him early this year and Pete was saying to Tom, this team can't hit. They can't get any hits. And he'd say, Pete, don't worry. about have a hitting. It's pitching. Their problems pitching. No, Pete, but no, 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 you know, <laughs> Pete, 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 no, Pete, it's pitching. It's pitching. 
we'll just fix the pitching. Everything will be okay, Pete. (laughs) I mean, it's it's always been that way for him. Pitching. What are the, what are the pitching matchups? What are the, you know, it's all. and, And the reason they were rotten from 93 to 2000, even though like in 96, even though puck went blind, uh, they we scored had, like you know, a million runs that year. It was, oh, that well, it was had Knobloch, Knobloch, Molitor, Molitor. The two yeah. best players in the league, but the pitching stunk and yeah. he could never, never find the, you know, never find the pitching staff again, never develop the pitching staff again. And that's, I mean, that's, that's Tom Kelly is, are you going to pitch today or not? If you don't pitch, you've got no chance. So I don't know. I'm, it's, it's, you know, just like him when he's talking to you and when he's on yeah. the twin telecast and, and the, the public uh, kind of didn't like him as well as us baseball guys did. Cause mm-hmm. he always told you something. Uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time making my points here. Just like TK, you know, it gets elaborate when you try to talk about him, but he's uh yeah, he's a different kind of cat, and it's uh, it's an audience that it, it takes it, you know. Without you know, I'm 75 years old. I I I like the way he looks at baseball, but I could see where you know he'd have a hard time with the with a, with the modern generation team because he'd tell them all the things they were doing wrong, you know. So Tom Kelly, bench coach. Think it through. Think it oh, through. Yeah. Well, he's not a big one thing he said about LaRusse. He went on and on about LaRusse. Yes. Yeah. Or LaRusse called him. But he went on and on about the fact that you can tell that LaRusso is running. That, that when LaRusso came back, it was with the, the I'm the manager. I make out the lineup. I, you know, yeah. I, I'm not, I, TK would not do well spending 45 minutes with the guy from the an, an, analytic department coming down and having a daily discussion with them on how the lineup should look. That's uh, that ain't happening. (laughs) And, you know, and he's not anti-analytics. It's you show me your numbers and then I'll write out my lineup, but uh, I'm not going to waste 45 minutes of my morning. Sure. My early afternoon talking to some guy about, you know, where, you know, how, he, he would have had a hard time with the dramatic shifts too. There's uh, mm-hmm. no, no doubt about it, but it's uh, a very unique guy. That's, uh, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's, you know, our dear friend Bracken, you know, yeah. we both love Bracken. <clears throat> yeah. But Bracken's kind of approach to, you know, you know the one I'll always remember is when Bracken's on when they in 87, he decides he talks to Harvey Mizell, the hypnotist, about whether he could right. help the twins play better on the road. And I begged him not to say that, not to ask him. I was on a trip with the same for the same Paul Piper. Right. And I said, Don't do it. You're gonna put him in a bad mood for the rest of the road trip, <laughs> which he did. Uh-huh. So I mean, he doesn't brook that kind of nonsense. No, he never brook nonsense. It was, you know. You know, let's just, you know, ask me a baseball question. I'll give you an answer type of stuff. So he might have enjoyed uh, managing uh, Johan. Too bad their paths didn't uh, oh, yeah, cross. Uh, cross well, he would have, there were a lot of guys. A lot of that's Eddie Mahler. There's, 
you know, he's, he, he goes on and on about Molitor. One thing, I'm, I'm getting a little long here, but one thing, he was talking about Molitor, you know, because when he left, he didn't know if they were going to hire, he thought they might hire Molitor. He said either one, Guardy, he said Guardy deserved it. He'd put in more time. But Molitor, he said, the thing about Molitor is, uh, I, I've told him a few times, I said, you got, you got to, you got to tone down your expectations here, Paul, because he put his hand way up high and he says, Paul, this is you when it comes to understanding baseball, playing baseball. Uh, this is you. And he had his hand up over sure. his head and then he brought it down about a foot and he said, and this is the other really good players. You know, this is the other really good players. And he had it brought down a foot and he said, and this is the rest of them. And he had that down by his waist. And he said, <laughs> yeah. And then he said, you can't expect these guys then and with the hand down by the waist to be up here where you are. You gotta, you gotta realize that yeah. you're talking to people that don't understand how to play the game. And of course have the ability to play the game that you did. He's a, uh, people don't know. I, I did talk to Molly after the, cause he was doing the, he's doing radio. radio yeah. Saturday, yeah. Friday and Saturday. And I talked to Molly Friday and he said, I had from him walking by when he was down there in spring training and just saying, Hey, Paul, you know, not telling him do this, do that, but say one things he noticed and things that, you know, that maybe you want to try this. He had 10, he has 10 pages of notes on that wow. from, from his, his basically the, the Kelly observation philosophy wow. thing. And, uh, you know, I think it's a loss to the twins that he no longer goes to spring training because uh, they he just doesn't feel that these guys would have any interest in hearing what he he doesn't have any bitterness towards Falvey and Levine, but he just knows they don't want him around. So he they've, stayed. they've got him doing some stuff this year, though. I've seen him in the Saints dugout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He might have. They might have had him stop by. And, yeah, and make, yeah, but yeah, not the not the not the full like full on instructional stuff. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Well, Anyway, that's Let's, him. Yeah, well, I, I enjoyed that. It's uh, he's a tough guy to he's a tough guy to understand, but just in terms of accomplishment, I mean, you know, two World Series speak for themselves, and it, you know, at least um, charting you know charting a course for you know kind of setting the tone for what became some pretty good teams in the uh, the two thousands as well when Gardy took over. A um, few minutes left. Let's talk Mike Zimmer transition to another guy <laughs> in charge who was not happy the other day. He, he ran through, uh, I'm going to play, I'll, I'll play the, the little clip here in just a sec. He ran through a list of like six or seven things he hated from that preseason game. It was the halftime interview with, I think NFL network talked about all the things that weren't going well. The, you know, the punter he hate, didn't like the punter. When you mentioned the punter in a preseason game, it's a pretty good idea. You're in a bad mood, but here's how he, ended that little rant I'm going, to, I'm going to use this like probably 15 20 thousand times on this podcast as, as time goes on we didn't tackle well that we didn't made the wrong checks on uh, defense with the safeties uh we throw an interception for a touchdown um go three and out the first two series terrible punts so other than that it's been great so yeah basically uh other than that it's been great was the uh, the mike zimmer quote and uh, yeah it's i've got kind of Kind of wonder if it's going to be that kind of year. Now it's it's only one preseason game. It's a few weird things happening, you know, in training camp and earlier on. Let's give a little a uh, little room to breathe for uh, you know the second preseason game where they actually play their starters. None of the real you know high impact guys played on uh, on Saturday. But what 
what do you what's the impression you get from you know Mike Zimmer is not Mike you know even a even a poorly played lot poorly played win can put Mike Zimmer in a bad mood but what do you what do you get from Zimmer's mood right now right now here's what's happened to him in my opinion he was out there I was out there that first Wednesday I haven't been there since I guess I they run around and I don't care but uh he was in a great mood he was optimistic yes he was cheery and then they've started getting the then they got the positive covid in the in the in the quarterback room and then he had a bunch of injuries and and then things you know goofy stuff started happening and i think the instant disappointment level with these and the fact that it's that they have the lowest vaccine, at least a week ago, had the lowest vaccination rate in the league is just that the fact that he's got players who aren't committed enough to the team to get vaccinated has driven him nuts. The punter is a non-vaxxer, apparently. That guy won't be here Wednesday, will he? I, I, you know, yeah, I feel like they were kind of... It's, it's, and I'm not blaming up. it at yeah. all. I'm not blaming it at all on the vaccination thing. Of course not. It changed his, it, it, I, I think he just got slapped in the head. He, I mean, he expected to come out there Wednesday, have this robust first practice, not hitting each other, but everybody being, let's do it. This can be our year. And for the next two weeks, all he's been able to talk about is who's vaccinated, who's not, who's, who's going to play, who's, who's injured, not. Yeah. Cousins, cousins saying idiotic stuff about hiding behind plexiglass and stuff like this. I mean, it's the the fact that he sees less than a full commitment from his team as an old crusty coach has. I think that's driven him off the deep end. I, I really think. Now they, as you say, they. I think they're still talented. I think they could recover. They still got guys like Eric Kendricks, who, who to me is a is a first team All Pro, fantastic, committed to the team, would do anything. Uh, but but you have guys that you know that you know, Harrison Smith. Uh, we don't know about Thielen. These you got guys that were his guys that are now questionable because of that the whole vax thing is not, and I don't, again, I don't know if any of these guys have gotten vaccinated since or what's going on, but I think he sees it as a, I think he's discovered this lack of commitment, what he considers a lack of commitment to doing whatever you, his whole thing is you got to do whatever you can do to win, right? Whatever you can do to help the team win, which is kind of the Kelly approach. I was going to say, yeah. And, And I think it is, driven him nuts that he doesn't see that from enough of this team and then to have you go out and and now you've got you know the your top 30 guys don't play and the guys you put out there and you're testing your depth right and they play like complete idiots and they stink and they get trampled by uh denver and everybody's up leaving, leaving at halftime. And uh, this is the glorious return to a full dome. And I think he's just, he's beside himself. And he also knows this. 
he's fired if they don't make the yes. playoffs, right? So yes. that, that, and maybe he's fired if they don't win a playoff game. But I, I'm not ready to say it's going to go off the rails, but I thought they were going to be really good. And now you just, to me, football is, you got your Kansas City Chiefs with Pat Mahomes, and you have each year you got four or five teams that, okay, they're too good to fail, right? They're too yes. good to fail. There's a few of those, but every, but there, and there's five that stake six, you know, that there's nothing that can be done to help them, but you got 20 of them. Are guys going to get hurt and what's the vibe you're going to develop and how are you going to get started? Uh, you know, are you going to be one and three and fighting uphill all year? Or are you going to, I mean, it's, it took to me football more than any sport is vibe is what's the vibe yeah. what what's the you know what's well, they only what's... play 17 to uh, 17 times now but they, i mean when you've only played that much like yeah the difference between it's going to keep tripping me up every time but the difference between seven and ten and ten and seven is it's it's just it's nothing it's three plays it's what it is yeah yeah and to to you know to come out and you know, go out and have a big effort and start rolling right off the bat. I mean, if you're three and oh, you're going to the playoffs now, right? A lot of times, unless you're the the Vikings. If you're on three, you're not, you know, but I mean, pretty much it's, uh, I don't know. I think he just, I, I think it, 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 he, I think he had to go from optimism, uh, really strong optimism. I detected that first day to what the hell is going on with these guys yeah. that, 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 that's been too much for him to take so far. We'll see if he gets them back in the, you know, doing what they want to do. But one, one of your problems is when you, every time you see your quarterback, you got to grit your teeth. It's not good. Yeah. That him. relation. I mean, that, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you know, for the hell he put green Bay through, the coach knows that, you know, he doesn't, when Aaron Rodgers doesn't go gun in the room, the, co- the coach doesn't have the hair stand up on his forearms because he, the guy's driven him nuts like right. cousin has. So I, I think that's part of it is, uh, you know, your, your team leader, you know, if cousins had just said, well, I, the, the, the vax is a private thing for me, but I'm certainly going to take every precaution. But his rambling, idiotic speech and, and Zimmer hears something like that, that the the yeah, the uh, the problem is that the quarterback room is too small. It's, that's got to drive a guy, an old, crusty <laughs> foot, a quarter, an old, crusty football coach like Zim, who no sport now is. No sport is more important than pro football of everybody being on board. Because yeah, let's face it, the game is no fun to play. It's the meanest, nastiest, lousiest game that's ever been invented in the way it's played in the modern context. It's dangerous. It's brutal. People are going to get hurt. You're not going to live as long as you should because of it. And it's, so it's got to be like full commitment and to have to put up with what he's had to put up with from some of these guys is throwing him off his game. Uh, I, I just, from a distance, listening to the quotes and everything and seeing the level of his frustration. It's uh, it's very interesting. And he's old time. 
coach too. And then, I mean, if, if Matt LaFleur felt this, felt this way, and he probably should have the way the Packers played yeah. last weekend, he wouldn't express it. Right. 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 Zim, is, Zim can't help himself. He can't. When he, no. When he he's can't. mad, he can't help himself. <laughs> now, all we need is the kicker to start missing a couple oh, of them. Patrick. Then we can go paranoid on that. Oh, Patrick. Yeah. Don't even say it yet. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll see how that, I, that shakes I, out. I got to admit, I'm a little bit of a sadist and uh i love it when his kickers starts missing a couple because he goes insane starts going for starts going for two in the preseason then you know it's not going well that's right (laughs) yes Uh, yeah that he's well you know i you know if, if i was around him i couldn't help but like on monday morning to be a meeting, you know, the casual meeting when you're having a cup of coffee, say, geez, that Daniel Carlson made three more long ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> man. Well, I mean, that's a, that's to me, that's encapsulates the Mike Zimmer era. He cut after two games, two games, one of the best kickers in the league. Two games. He got mad because he tied with Green Bay 29 29. And we're going to look, got- we're going to look back on that too. Like, let's say the season doesn't go well. This might, this will be my final point. Let's see, this season doesn't go well and it, it does end the end the tenure. It's going to be four years without Cousins, four years with Cousins, and just the pressure that built when they signed Kirk Cousins. Yes. That big money deal. And he was feeling it right away. And that was 2018 when they cut the kicker. You're going to, this is a clear split in the Mike Zimmer era between those first four and what could be the last four years. And we'll see, we'll see what happens. I agree. Thank you, sir. We'll get you next weekend. All righty. Great stuff with Patrick as always. Good stuff coming up this week too. Joe Rossi, defensive coordinator for the Gopher football team should be with me this week. Spencer Hall, college football maven will be with me later this week too. Plenty of other good stuff to talk about. Thanks for joining me here on daily delivery and we'll catch you again on Tuesday.